Welcome back to the Meet St. Louis podcast, the show taking you behind the scenes of your favorite restaurants, breweries, and small businesses. I'm your host, Alexis Otos with KMOV. You've likely driven by still 630 a dozen times. Maybe you've noticed, maybe you haven't, but we're going to introduce you to the man who built one of St. Louis's best craft distilleries. And next time you're driving on 4th Street, you're going to want to stop in for a tour. David Weglar started Still 630 because he wanted to wake up every day and find passion in his job. We sat down with him to talk about starting a business from scratch, the changing landscape of the craft distilling business, and the collaborative efforts in the St. Louis food and drink scene. This is one of those episodes where I found myself writing down quote after quote. So let's get to it and let's meet David. Thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Well, it's exciting to be inside this space. I've driven by it a bunch of times, but have never been inside. You're located right in downtown. Yes, we are. Hiding in plain sight. Yeah, so talk to us about this building, how you guys got into this space. Uh, it's very historically significant in the history <laughs> of St. Louis. Um, you know, August Shoto and uh, whatnot founded St. Louis. Fast forward a couple hundred years, and there was a beautiful French restaurant that was right downtown, just south of Bush Stadium. Uh, I know the fries were French, so I assume the rest <laughs> of the menu was too. But um, it was a hard days, I think is how they pronounced it. And they unfortunately went out of business, and a flower shop moved in, and they went out, and we moved in in the beginning of 2012. 2012, okay. And it was literally the old Hardee's in here. There were the tables, the register. There was all the kitchen equipment in the back. There was all the grease trapped in there. And we just gutted the place for the most part. We kept a couple tables in the corners for the historical value and the (laughs) ambiance of uh, said restaurant. But really, we just gutted the place, and it was the right spot. It was the right location. When I wanted to start this distillery, I wanted to, to... build it and weave it into the fabric of St. Louis. I want people to say, we got the arch, we got the Cardinals, the blues, and still 630, and not in that order, okay? Um, they need to get, get the whiskey first. Exactly, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, you gotta have priorities. But um, I, I, this is a dream of mine. This is my little American dream. And to turn it into a reality, we had to find the right spot that was affordable, but it, also in a great location. And then we had to prove that we could even do it, right. you know? So, um, yeah. I, so before you bought the space, were you already kind of going at this idea? Where did you, how did it all start? Not really. Um, if I can, if I can rewind a little bit, it all started because, and I know this sounds super cheesy, but I, I believe you live once and it's up to you to make your life, whatever you want it to be. And I wanted mine to be incredible and something to something remarkable. And uh, so, so I was an English major in college. Okay. So I drank a lot, uh, which was <laughs> now I can consider research. Absolutely. Um, after college, I took a year off and it, um, checked off one of my life goals and was a river rafting guide for a oh, year. Down North, North Carolina, okay. extreme western part. I was taking people whitewater rafting once or twice a day, and I was making peanuts, but I was I was getting enough tips to make some to get beers at night and then do it again tomorrow. Right. And it was fantastic. I lived in a tent for half the year, but, but it was awesome, right? But I did it. And I, that really reaffirmed to me that life was whatever you make it. Mm-hmm. And there, so therefore, make it whatever you want. 
and I wouldn't mind to be incredible and awesome. Um, so not necessarily related to that, I moved to Chicago and became a futures trader because I wanted oh, to make okay. some money, yeah. right? And that's what I was like, okay, I did the fun rafting, now did I got to go. the poor life. And now, yeah, yeah, no, that was cool, I'm done with that, <laughs> and let's go make some money. Um, and I, I had some good years, I had some terrible years, and I was a, a futures trader in Chicago for about eight years. Mm. And, and it, the ups and downs, feast and famine, and it was such a um, push-pull, grind on my on my soul really I, it was it was good but i didn't feel like i was doing anything i wasn't contributing anything to to the world i know that sounds real esoteric and, and egotistical but i i didn't feel satisfied mm -hmm. with it right and i certainly couldn't plan the future i'd always wanted to have a wife and kids and a family and that that was always kind of my dream and i didn't see how that was possible on that track and i got i got tired of it i got sick of it and i got really really kind of depressed and really dark in there because it wasn't fulfilling at all. Mm. But I didn't know what else I wanted to do. I didn't know how to change course because there was nothing that was calling me. And I saw everybody else opening up their own businesses. Everybody else, right? I'm doing air quotes there. It's just <laughs> everybody else seemed to have an idea, a passion, a vision that they were going towards. And I didn't know what the heck I wanted to do. And so my buddy and I was like, he called me. He's like, dude, let's start a brewery, that'd be awesome. This is the late 2000s, 2008, okay. 2009, right? So we're brewing beers and doing that. And we've been, and we did it in his kitchen, not mine, because I sure. wanted his wife mad at us, not my wife. Makes right? sense. Not how were those, how were those first beers that you guys made? Satisfactory. Okay. You know, uh, we could have gotten much better, but they were there. They, let me put it this way. We're sitting there after we got done bottling up, you know, 150 beers or whatever, and we were drinking whiskey. <laughs> Not I should tell you how good, how good those <laughs> beers were. Uh, but he was like, you know, somebody's got to make this too. And again, we had been tasting the beers along the way and drinking the whiskey. And I was like, you know, well, with all our teeth, you know, we, we can make this stuff too if they're making it in the hills in the moonshine. Because back when I had been rafting, I'd had some legit moonshine mm -hmm. from some local people that were literally making moonshine. And it was pretty good. Um, so I was like, certainly, you know, if somebody's making beer, somebody's got to be making whiskey too. Mm -hmm. And we looked into it, and um, we were, it was just a better time in the, the growth cycle of the industry to get into craft liquor than it was craft beer. And this because, is 2009, 2010. Right, so really early on in that idea. Very much, very much so. It was following the same trajectory. Mm -hmm. It was just 15, 20 years behind, right? And it, since 2010, right, we've had a million breweries come in and some of them are absolutely incredible and awesome. And St. Louis is one of the best places in the country for those great craft beers. Absolutely. Um, but I thought it was a better time. It was more fun. And I just personally like spirits mm -hmm. more than beer. Still love beer. Andrew and I, we, we shared a beer this morning that, uh, that we were enjoying um, for a modern brewery. It, it just, we, we still love beers, sure. but whiskeys are better. So how did you go about figuring out, all right, what's the equipment we need? Uh, you know, what's the scale that we can start producing? Obviously, you found this lovely Hardee's. Um, it was amazing <laughs> that this place was available. Um, uh, so how did you go about that aspect? I mean, just a ton of research? It was a lot of research, uh, a lot of drinking. I mean, research. <laughs> it was, uh, no, it was, you know what? There was, there was a little bit more moxie and just ignorance than I would care to admit. But it was like, you know what? Sounds egotistical. I'm smart enough. We'll figure it out. 
we'll be able to get it done. It's just a matter of doing it. I'm stubborn enough not to give up. So eventually, after we make enough mistakes, we'll, we'll keep refining it and we'll get to a place where we're pretty good at it, mm -hmm. right? And so, so I started doing research. I started attending some conferences. I bought my mash ton and fermenters from a distillery outside of Seattle. This is when I was still trading because I was okay. like, all right, finally, I know where I'm going, but I'm not ready to leave this roost mm -hmm. and, and embark on this flight yet. Um, but I took my last vacation days. I bought the equipment from them and I said, listen, I'm willing to pay what you're asking, but I got to come work for you first. Mm, okay. So for free. And they were like, for free? Okay. <laughs> but we don't know you, so right. we're only going to give you a week. Okay. So I went out to Seattle and I crashed on my buddy's couch, who's living in Seattle, and 10, 12 hours a day for seven days, I was working in their distillery, cleaning their floors, helping them mash in, distill, bottle, label, anything and everything. Get the crash course. I was trying to absorb as a sponge. I went in there bone dry. I was trying to soak up everything they would tell me. And, and those guys were awesome. Orland and Brett out there at Woodenville were, were super cool. And I, I still consider them friends to this day. But uh, they, they really gave me my formal education. Mm -hmm. Beyond that week, those, I was there Monday through Friday. So beyond those five days, I had a weekend workshop at Michigan State, which was classroom science of distillation, like the chemistry. And then I took a Saturday workshop down in Missouri State, which was, again, the classroom science of brandy distillation. So those, those eight days were really my formal education. Everything wow. else has been trial and error in here. Everything I can read out of books. They had a lot of knowledge in books, which is very good. And I can read good, so I got a little bit of it out. Uh, but it, it's really like, I believe if you're, if you're willing to work hard enough, there's nothing you can't do. And I am here to prove or disprove that theory. Where'd the name come from? Thought a lot about it. And we were trying to, we, we want to be invested. I want generations later, still 630 to be a revered part of St. Louis. Mm. So still, after the piece of equipment we distill on, we capitalize the last L to emphasize STL. Mm -hmm. If you notice, like on our sign up front, sometimes in our marketing, those letters are red to really hammer home St. Louis. 630 stands for a few different things. Number one is June 30th, which is the day we were founded. 630 ah, okay. day, right? We have a big anniversary party every year. It's our best day of the year. We release new spirits, bring out awesome cocktails. We bring in a great local chef partner. We bring in all of our collaborative partners. It's our best day of the year, bar none. We always do it on the Saturday prior. So mark your calendars for the Saturday before 630. 2021, when hopefully we can all yeah. gather again. This year was the first year in eight years that we hadn't mm. done that party. It's hard, and it's, yeah. I mean, we've had Kui Tran out here. We've had the Gorilla Street Food guys. We've had uh, Gerard Kraft. We, I mean, we, you name it. We, we've really been able to cultivate some incredible relationships. Uh, Rick Lewis was out here in the early days. All of those folks have been on the podcast. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, you can go back and listen to some of them. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's, we've, we've been able to really cultivate a who's who of the St. Louis food scene to come out and do that. And all of our different partners from Caldi's um, to everybody out there, serendipity, that have been on here and been part of that, which mm -hmm. is really cool. Going back to the name, mm -hmm. 630 also stands for the number of our pot still. That is literally still 630. Mm -hmm. That is the serial number of our first original big pot still. It was handmade here in Missouri.
handcrafted to our custom specifications, one of a kind built right here. It happens to be serial number 630. Most importantly, it stands for 630 feet, which is the width and the height of the gateway arch. Tied all together, still 630. That's, those are pretty good, all getting those together into kind of one name, making it very special. And that's also a piece of trivia that everybody in St. Louis should remember, is the height and width of the arch. Are the same. And so you, you're kind of pointing to this still. Obviously, our, our folks can't uh, see it, but head to our Instagram and we'll definitely post a picture of that. Um, but talk to us about how you found this. You said it was crafted to your mm -hmm. um, specifications. How did you guys kind of work with them to, to create that? So actually, we um, through, through my father-in-law, he knew um, a metal fabricator gentleman named Jim Schultz, who happens to be now one of our co-founding members and owners of Still 630. Mm. His contribution was actually the still and his, a lot of his knowledge of distillation into this. And so we found this old used uh, kettle and we repurposed it by adding the manway, the agitator, and all the copper to turn it into a pot still. And, and for people who don't know much about distilling, what does that mean? What's a pot still versus? A pot still is really just an enclosed boiling device. Um, and alcohol boils at a lower temperature than water. So that's the whole secret to distillation. You can boil it and the alcohol will turn into a vapor and come off before the water. So that's how you separate the alcohol from the water. The more you do it, the more you concentrate that alcohol. So that's how you can take a 5% beer, distill it into a 30%, uh, we would call low wines, distill it again, and you could get 160 proof alcohol at the beginning. You know, as you go through, it goes down. Do it again and again, and you can get up to vodka strength, right? We don't do vodka because I don't like it, but that's neither here nor there. Your business, your choices. I'm the boss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn it. That's, that's what we do here. We don't do flavored stuff. Everything that we do here comes from the actual raw ingredients. Mm. We are very big on having authentic flavors, authentic inputs. We're not putting out dragonberry vodka or cupcake this or whatever, whatever, right? We're not doing cherry lime stuff. That's not us. There's plenty of people doing that if you like that. We're trying to put out whiskey, rum, and gin for the people that really appreciate the flavors and that want to enjoy these spirits at the best days of their life. You know, one, one of the, this is a little personal side note, but one of the best compliments that I can think of in all these years is that there have been several people that have come and they, they wanted to buy spirits for their groomsmen or bridesmaids. Mm -hmm. So that means on the best day of their life, to the most important people in their life, they wanted to share our spirits. To me, that is the absolute epitome of what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make liquor for people that, that it's not to drink to get away from stuff, it's to drink to celebrate, to bring people together, right? And it's, it's a, uh, an emotional thing, right? Alcohol, you know, to, to commiserate a, a past loved one or to celebrate a birth or an engagement, you reach for a glass of something nice. And I want you to reach for still 6.30. What was the first thing you guys made? You started with whiskey? We did. So talk about that first so, batch. Well, it was, it was tough, right? Because I knew I, wanted to, I had to start with something. We had a little bit of money saved up. We've been bootstrapped from the beginning. So we've always been underfunded from day one. And it's hindered us, honestly, because we've, we've received a bunch of awards and other people that have done similar stuff have, have grown faster. But we've 
been unfriended. But in the beginning, I was like, all right, I need to make an unaged spirit. And uh, vodka was already out because I didn't like it. And that's, this is my company, damn it. And that's where we're going to make what I like. So I wanted to make an unaged whiskey and an aged whiskey. And I wanted some, the unaged whiskey to be, we don't make moonshine. We're, we're anti-moonshine here in the sense that moonshine is cheap. It's derivative. It's a... Um, For those that don't know, is, what's the, is there a technical difference between moonshine okay, and whiskey? Sure, sure, sure. Um, so, so moonshine is technically illegally distilled alcohol. So anybody that's selling a quote-unquote moonshine, it's marketing fluff. That's ridiculous. You can't actually do that. It's just unaged whiskey. And almost all of them are flavored with some BS, I would say. Sorry uh, to offend anybody out there. Uh, not sorry. But um, <laughs> we wanted to make an unaged whiskey. So we have a white whiskey called Big Jake. And I wanted to use a very f the most flavorful grain that I liked, which was rye. Rye has that pepper, it's got that intense, it's got that flavor, it's got some mouth feel to it, right? It's something. So we have Big Jake White Whiskey. White Whiskey is often called White Dog. I had a big 110 pound white dog named Jake, so we named it after him, obviously. Um, and then we made the aged version of that, which was our rally point. So we started the company in 2012, Started cleaning the place out, distilling, aging things. And in the middle of 2013, we sold our first spirits, Big Jake and Rally Point. And we actually sold them to a brewery. That's how good we were. Uh, <laughs> a brewery wanted to buy our alcohol, and that was our first sale there. What was that like? What was that feeling when, you, when someone actually said, I want to pay you for this thing you've made? It was, it was absolutely incredible. It was, it was the fulfillment and the validation of, of long-held dreams that were highly in doubt. It was, it was a dream come true. I mean, I, like, I had left everything to start something I didn't know about and didn't know how to do, and, and to have somebody do it and, and want it. And I used to go in hand in mouth and sit there and take my bottles in and go, I just made some whiskey downtown St. Louis. Would you guys like to try it and see if you want to carry it? And they would be like, as I first walked in, they'd be like, this guy's a salesman. I'm not here, right? I, I'm not here. And then I would, so I would say loudly, I made this downtown St. Louis. Do you want to try it? They'd be like, all right, all right, all right, let me see. And then it was up to the spirits to sell it. And, and so far, so far they have, yeah. you know? And now I've got my man, Andrew Spa out there, and he's running through everybody and visiting all the different accounts and, and making hay. And people are are asking for it and requesting it. And I mean, just all that stuff, making the first sale, making the second sale, all of it is so meaningful because this is a tiny little business. You guys are sitting here looking at the two people that are really running it. My wife does the bookkeeping. We've got another girl who helps with the cocktails and does stuff, but it's really, it's a tiny place. Mm -hmm. Kicking as much ass as possible, <laughs> right? It's. We're in here working so hard to do the best we can. Our motto is make the best possible batch. And that means if we need to tweak something, if we need to take something out, if we need to blend this barrel instead of that barrel, that's what we're doing in here. And we believe that if we keep working hard enough and doing things the right way, organically, that will turn into positive outcomes. You mentioned tweaking and you've got this incredible little library over here. Uh, describe what you've got over here and how that helps you guys create, recreate, and kind of imagine what comes next. 
So you're talking about the Library of Indomitable Spirits, to put the formal name on it. Um, we have over 2,500 different bottles in here. There are three columns that are botanical library. That's where we build our gins from. Each one is a different individual root, fruit, herbs, leaves, seed, flower, berry, whatever, you name it. Those are, we always talk about as different colors to paint with, right? Mm -hmm. So we can paint a different picture with each individual gin. And that's what we do, right? We intentionally make a unique spirit. We're not trying to make variations on stuff for the most part. Yeah, obviously we do with Rally Point, we do with Maple Sunset, Wine Cash, Sherry Cash, Double Barrel. But that's the Botanical Library. The rest of them, are it's a working library. It's not for the public, it's for us. So that we can go through, we have tasted every single bottle that's in here, which is an awesome aspect of the job. But each of them are different. They're, they're different samples of the same spirit at different periods of aging. So you can taste how it's evolving, what flavors are ebbing and flowing, how the barrel is contributing to this, and where last month this note was a little bit aggressive, but it's tamed down two months later, right? And now it's more well-rounded and it's playing in harmony. And you went from a, a solo act to a backup band is there. And now they're all kind of combining to form a beautiful note. And that's, and that's where we want to capture it. And then, when we make that spirit years later, we can compare it at those different ages to make sure it's, it's kind of moving along the same way and keeping consistent. Have you made something that has just totally not worked? Absolutely. Several times. <laughs> yeah. Have you had a moment where you... We don't put those out. <laughs> oh, yeah, I would imagine. But I mean, at what were there points that you in this career have said, I don't know if we're doing the right thing? And how did you get past Weekly. that? Weekly. <laughs> Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I feel like there's, there's shortcomings that are my own fault constantly, right? And I'm, I, at the end of the day, I'm responsible for the direction, the engagement, the, the, the mission of, of this place. I second guess myself all the time. Mm. I hate it. Um, What's your advice to people who also find themselves in that position? They're starting a new business. They want to start a new business. And it just seems so daunting. For me, the antidote is the opposite. Mm. You're okay. You're not going to do it. You're going to go back to your cubicle. You're going to go back in there and you're going to hate life. Failure has been the continual instigation uh, for me. It's that there is no other option besides long-term success. And to me, my missteps or my successes only get us there slower or faster, but there is no other outcome for still 6.30. That's what I tell myself. And I would tell other people that, again, this goes back to one thing I said earlier, you live once. Mm -hmm. you, you can fail fast or you can die slow. So you mentioned that saying <laughs> and get after it. You mentioned that feeling of wow when you made that first sale. And then pretty soon after you guys started, you guys won some pretty big awards. <laughs> we have had more success than almost any other distiller in America. That's pretty incredible. 
for a place that maybe <laughs> a lot of me. people don't know. They even even know no, the name. it exists. We're a, we're a secret in our hometown, mm -hmm. and yet on the national stage, we won the best whiskey in the country in 2016. In 2018, we were the first ever distiller to win it twice. So our double barrel rally point won it in 2016 as the best whiskey in the country. In 2018, our five-year-old rally point won it as the best whiskey in the country. If you fast forward to 2020, we won our American Navy strength gin as the best gin in the country by the American Distilling Institute. The first two whiskeys by the American Craft Spirits Association. Those are the two um, associations for everybody that's not Jim Beam, mm -hmm. right? You have to be under you know, 100,000 proof gallons. So there's only 2,000, 2,500 distilleries in the country. Wow. Okay, so there's a shit ton of them. Mm -hmm. And we were named the best whiskey twice and the best gin once in the past five years. There's nobody else in the nation that can say that. And yet we're, we're a hidden gem. <laughs> so that tells me that I am failing at our marketing, mm -hmm. at our production, at our what have you, that we should be better and bigger with those accolades. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a wall over here that has over 75 different medals from our spirits. From a guy who was self-taught, who d didn't know anything else and just said, damn it, I'm going to keep doing it until I figure it out. And so for people in St. Louis who maybe do want to come check you out, uh, as we said, obviously in the non-COVID times, um, mm -hmm. but how can people come see what you guys are doing here? So we... we Other than purchasing it at stores around yeah, town. Yeah, that's not... I mean, please purchase everything you see on the shelf. But the <laughs> best thing to do is to come in here. You, when you come in here, you're going to get a tour from either myself or Andrew Spa. You're getting one from the two guys that are in here doing it. So you get the real people doing it and you get a sense of the passion and the joy and what we really love about And you can this. see the historic Hardee's. It's a <laughs> part of the historic stops of all the tours in Missouri, <laughs> I think, I think. Um, yeah, it's, but you drive by and you will say, as you did when you first went in, I had no idea that this was what was happening in here. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, we're hiding in plain sight. And I, I say it jokingly, but I also hate it. Yes. <laughs> I want everybody to know what we're doing. And we'll get, when we're, when we're doing tours, which we do almost every Saturday, we do them at 12, 1, 2, 3 o'clock. Um, we have taken a break now through COVID times. We're hoping to relaunch those uh, in the beginning of September. I hope that doesn't date this episode. Um, <laughs> but uh, that's what our plan was. And we we're going to do it in the beginning of August. But anyway. That's, that's that's the best the time. Yeah. That's what you want to do. You get to come in. We take an in-depth process. We walk you through everything, and you get to taste whatever spirits you want. Right now, we've got 14 spirits on the bar. You get to taste a few of them. You get to pick, right? But the best thing to do is once you've done the tour, that's great. The jokes, they're the same jokes every week. So, you, you know, do it once and then don't come back because they'll, they'll sound hollow. But um, <laughs> the best thing to do after that is to come on our first Fridays. That is, that is our best day of the month. That is when we release one of our brand new experimental spirits. Yeah, talk and about that experimental program you I'd guys do. Thank you. <laughs> uh, I appreciate that softball. Uh, the experimental program is something that nobody else in the country does. Again, this is, this is a, nobody has this library. Nobody does experimentals. Nobody's, all right, all right, sorry. Um, 
The experimental program is our search for awesome new recipes. So we distilled a whole bunch of different individual spirits. We blend them in different ratios, different proportions, and blend them into different recipes. Um, and then we release it once a month on the first Friday of every month, and we're doing it for five years. Mm. So there's going to be 60 of them total. This is unprecedented, unique, bold. We were 33 in when COVID hit, right? We've done it for almost three years straight. And we have, we give away free samples and we have four brand new cocktails every month. They're absolutely incredible. Andrew and Andrea, our librarians, our bartenders there, come up with these cocktails and they're absolutely fantastic. I tell you that they're some of the best cocktails that are made anywhere in St. Louis month in and month out and they're not changing the other places aren't changing their menus up mm. every month they're absolutely fantastic so you come in you sample it and we're trying something new and we get your feedback we've got a real simple short survey it's like five questions did you like it should we make more of it what, what do you think you know we're literally getting feedback from everybody that comes in to determine what we make as spirits because like for example let's say we want to make an agave spirit which is going to be our next releases. Um, we're very excited about that. We've been working on agave for a while. Andrew and I really love it. And we're looking for the more mezcal type issue. But anyway, we're going to have three I'm different speaking ones. speaking my language over here. Nice, <laughs> nice. So hopefully first Friday of September, we will see you down here. Then yeah. October, November. But we're, we're putting out a couple different iterations. We're saying, all right, you love, you love agave. Which one do you like the most? Tell us, tell us the ups and downs. We'll tweak it, we'll take all the information in, and then we will produce what you want, right? That's, that's what the experimental program's about. It's about getting people in, it's about giving them an awesome Friday night. It doesn't have to take up all Friday night, but come down, have a cocktail, try a free sample, talk about it, and then hell, go to a show, go to a restaurant, go about your business, but have a great time. But we want that feedback and we need it so that we can make what people want. Mm -hmm. And you also were kind of talking to us before we started the, the interview here about the collaborations that you guys do with some of the local breweries. Absolutely. Talk about that aspect and how that, I mean, collaboration in our city is, is huge. And I always love to, to kind of hear about how businesses that could be competitions amongst each other work 100%. together. Yeah. It's, like I said earlier, Andrew and I, we love beers and we drink a lot of them. And we, and, and St. Louis is such a great place for it. So we're like, this is in our backyard. Let's, uh, to us, beer is just unfinished whiskey. No offense, guys. But, uh, <laughs> but you get all these different kinds of beers, right? That have their own unique notes and flavors and it's awesome. And the, what we call the first step before we distill it is distiller's beer. Right, so it's unfinished alcohol to mm -hmm. us when we make it here. So that's why we just said, well, if we're making beer, let's just take some actual beer from local places, distill it, age it in new barrels. That's key because a lot of, a lot of distilleries across the country will take used barrels that have held beer and finish their whiskey in them and call it beer barrel, whatever. That's not what we're doing. We're doing something totally different. We're taking the actual beers distilling them, turning them into new, unique, creative whiskeys. And we've been doing it since about 2014. We've done it with um, Alpha Brewing Company, Modern Brewery, um, Four Hands, O'Fallon Brewing Company, Logboat, Side Project. We've got Urban Chestnut beers here. We've got Cathedral Square. 
we've got a handful of others, and I don't mean to disrespect them by not saying them, but I'm just saying we've taken them, and our goal is to make unique, weird, and unusual whiskeys that are delicious, not, oh, that tastes like a whiskey, or that's a single malt, or that's a bourbon. That's not right for that series. We want unusual stuff. Um, the Presence of Darkness is mm -hmm. the perfect example. We took four hands beer, the, the Absence of Light, the peanut butter chocolate milk stout that everybody loves, my personal favorite beer, I think, from them. We turned the Absence of Light into the Presence of Darkness. I know. Well, Super well, clever we'll name. It's really great. I see that English major coming through. <laughs> when you drink enough, you can convince yourself anything's funny. But that's what we came up with. And we released that in, on 6.30 day, 2017. And it was a huge hit, and they're intentionally one-offs. And we were sold out. We saw like 750 bottles in like three weeks, which for us was a huge win. But since then, people have been clamoring, when are you going to make more? Bring it back. I was like, dude, it's a one-off. You need to make more of it. Fine. So at the end of 2018, we bought like 2,000 more gallons from Four Hands and we've distilled it, and we're getting ready to relaunch uh, batch number two in September of this year. People can mark their calendars for that. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Again, I don't know anybody else in the country that's doing that. Well, I know some that are doing it now because we've won some awards for it, blah, 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 but it's, it's our way of engaging with the awesome people in St. Louis that are doing great stuff. We made a signature whiskey a couple years ago with Gerard Kraft and the Niche Food Group. We made a smoked single malt that, called The Truth that was fantastic. We have an ongoing collaboration with Caldi's Coffee, who we love. Those guys are and girls are fantastic over there. But we do our Big Jake breakfast brew. Mm. So it's our unaged rye whiskey infused with barrel-aged Caldi's Coffee. Put it in there. It's, it's unique. It's definitely the most hit-or-miss spirit that we make. People love it or hate it. But it's awesome, and at the end, it's like you got these chewing on some coffee beans and a little upper, a little downer, a little keep you right in the middle. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, but that's, that's the collaboration is really big on us, and we're working on some distillery collaborations uh, with some of our friends in the industry around the country, and it's just, it's really cool stuff. Well, and it's just neat to hear about the way that you guys combine with other people in St. Louis to, to kind of all work together to lift up the city, the spirits here, the beer here, the food industry here. Uh, this and place is awesome. Yeah, and we want to work with awesome people. And luckily for us, there's a ton of them here in St. Louis. And it's so cool. And that's, that's part of what 630 Day is about, is bringing in those friends and those business relationships that we have. It's about the brewery collaborations. It's about the distillery collaborations. It, we love what we do, and we want to work with people that love what they do. And, and that could be a leather shop, it could be t-shirts, it could be a butchery, it could be a brewery, yeah, I mean, it could be other distilleries, you know? It's, that's, that's the best thing is when you work with people that are passionate about what they do. I don't care what it is, if you're passionate about what you do, I'm interested. It's awesome.
and still 630 at stores all across St. Louis and all across Missouri, as well as parts of Illinois. Stay tuned to their social media accounts for when tours will kick off again and for their first Friday events, which they hope to bring back starting in September. If you enjoyed this episode, we hope you will head over to iTunes and leave us a review and some stars. It helps others discover the Meet St. Louis podcasts and, of course, all the great people here in our city. This episode was produced and edited by J.J. Bailey.